0: 106 miles to Chicago, we got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it.
1: Even the most ardent of COVID Nazis must be able to see the raging hypocrisy of 2,500 VIPs, or rather TIS. WTs, twats in suits with titles, being allowed to come in to the football final without having to do any of the bullshit isolation or quarantine or any other of the nonsense that they make Brits do or they use to stop us going on a basic holiday or seeing our family member for over a year. This is the moment where people have to wake up, surely. I wanted to say thank you so much uh, to the Tartan army for bringing laughter and life and joy to London and for pissing off the nipple height Muslim mayor. And I look forward to seeing you all later. I'm the warm-up act to the England-Scotland game. We're gonna have the Katie's arms at 7.30, bring a sense of humor and a bottle of wine and all the VIPs can piss right off.
2: Okay, <laughs> welcome back. You can't hear me? Is that better? Is that? Yeah, I can't, I can't hear you either. What kind of mask is that? Okay, now when we go back into the school, you need to follow your arrow, okay? You know your mask is not a parachute. It's, you don't put things in your mask. It, it goes on your face. And you don't go in her play circle. That's, that's her play circle. That's your play circle. You stay in your play circle, okay? Everybody's in their own, own play circle. Yeah, your mask is not a napkin, okay? Yeah, I can I can wipe down your desk if you need it wiped down. Just don't use your mask. Is it Jake? Yeah, Jake, it's not a slingshot, okay? Yeah, you don't. I need you three in the back to take your mask off of your head. They're they're not hats, okay? Yeah, it doesn't go on your chin, okay? It goes on your it goes over your nose, not not here, not like this, okay? Over like this. Can we do that? Can we, you can't, you can't touch his 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 ball. Okay, we're not sharing balls here. Nobody shares anybody's balls. Uh, Caitlin, you're not to share Sophia's mask. Yeah, we don't we don't trade masks. Is it Brecklin? Okay, Brecklin, we don't we don't chew on the mask. You don't need to chew it. It's not gum. No, we we don't have gum. I don't have any gum. I <laughs> uh, don't lick your mask. No licking. Oh my gosh, no, no. You can take the mask off when you have your snack. Yeah, it's okay. Just take it off. <laughs> Your mask is not a purse. Your mask is not a basket. Okay, I need everybody to line up six feet apart, okay? This line's gonna go around the entire school. I need you to stop touching, stop touching your mask. I know, I, I keep touching my mask too. We need to wash hands. Wash hands, everybody wash hands. You need to put your mask back on. You feel like you're gonna pass out? Okay, t- take the mask off. Get you some water. Don't Don't color on your mask. Don't, yeah, no markers, no colors. On the mask. No, your mask is not a band-aid. Do you need a band-aid? Let's not fling the mask. You don't need to fling it. Okay. Yes, yeah, she does have a very pretty mask. It, it's not better than yours. Now I need to sanitize this. Where's the hand sanitizer? Anybody? Maybe next week we'll work on math or reading, English, history, science.
3: Mark Twain wrote that it is easier to fool people than to convince people that they have been fooled. I am now convinced that you and I have been fooled. Did you know that the number of Americans who died in 2020 did not increase from the prior year? Well, how can this be? How can a health emergency, a pandemic, which government and media reported as so serious and so threatening that it necessitated the false imprisonment of the people, and the economic destruction of millions of businesses, and the unlawful misuse of police and health department officials to tyrannize the populace, and the evisceration of the Bill of Rights, including the closing of churches and courthouses, and the denial of the right of the people to assemble. How can something so reportedly dangerous to life fail to cause an increase in deaths? Well, here's a clue. During 2020, there were significant decreases in reported deaths from heart disease and cancer and other strains of flu and other common causes of death. Why? Well, it might be because federal and state governments paid huge sums to hospitals to recategorize deaths as COVID-19 so as to facilitate a massive fraud. There is no pandemic. There is no reason to social distance. There is no need to wear a mask and there is no law that says you must. There is no catastrophic emergency. To regain our health, we must become convinced that we have been fooled, and then we must act, including bringing those who fooled us to justice. This is Michael Anthony Peruca for Institute on the Constitution bringing you the American View. <laughs>
4: Good evening, this is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to No Hostages Radio, episode number 117, to play on June 26, 2021. Welcome tonight. Um don't know when, what time of the day you're going to listen, Listen, but uh, my habit is to do these in the late evening or in the middle of the night. It's quiet, and usually it's cooler where I'm at. I'm in up in Northern California in Yuba County. And this time of year in June, it can get really toasty and supposedly this weekend it's supposed to get a hundred and i don't know forty fifty I don't know what it is it's over a hundred when it gets that hot it's uh it's irritating farm It's farm area up here, so farmers like the warm weather it causes stuff to grow lots of sunlight, water, and uh warmth. So thank you for listening. I'm not sure how you got here. Uh, could be a number of ways from your your uh, podcast source or from nohostagesradio.com. That has a list of uh, all the podcasts and uh, articles I've written in the past for newspapers and elsewhere. So there's some other ways you can uh, follow me if you can go to the podcast. Obviously, the podcast is also posted on Facebook on a uh, Facebook page called Live with Lou. And you can listen to, listen to it there well as well. You could also read articles that I write. I used to write for a local newspaper, uh, but now I just write for uh and post on Facebook or social media. So you can catch up with me there. You can reach me at Lou L O U at No dot Lou at No dot com or you could dial me up at five three zero And, uh, you can, uh, give me some feedback or information about, uh, what's going on in the country around the world. And, uh, many times I use the information you provide me because it's, uh, helpful to the show. So, uh, Let's see what else I want to talk to you about right away. Let me let me go back up. I was going to start with something else, but I'm going to go back up. And uh, I want to do some announcements because you may not make it through the whole uh, broadcast. It's six 20-minute segments with some uh, educational clips in between. So I wanted to mention uh, some dates coming up that should be important to you if you're living in the Yuba-Sutter counties or even Nevada Butte uh Placer, Calusa County, those are surrounding counties. Some important dates coming up with speakers coming into the area on July 3rd, Dinesh D'Souza, one of the top uh apologists for the Christian faith and conservatism in the country around, and around the world. He's from India originally, immigrated to this country and is a very very bright guy. He's written many many books, they're very clearly written. Uh, they're well worth the price you pay for them you can see him on youtube um he, he is of course a, a, what you know usually the uh the standard to break or to meet is the is the uh, new york times bestseller list and D'Souza has been on there many times so this is a second year a second time in two years That Dinesh has been out here to campaign on behalf of a congressional candidate by the name of Tamika Hamilton. She's an Air Force veteran and uh, mother of five, married to uh, a Navy veteran who is also a police officer. And Tamika ran uh, two years ago against John Garamendi, who has never done anything but run for office and uh, she lost that race, though so I believe she won that race, just like I believe T- Trump won California. I believe Tamika won the 3rd District, and it should have been her chance to go back to Congress. But uh, they have yet to challenge, uh, like they are in Georgia, uh, in Arizona and other states, uh, challenge the voting results and how they were accomplished. And But on uh, July 3rd, at 3 in the afternoon, I believe, at Church of Glad Tidings in Yuba City. That's 1179 Eager Road in Yuba City. Sometimes they call it Live Oak. It's right in between the two cities. And um, he's going to come out and speak. There's going to be a VIP meeting, and then there's going to be a general admittance meeting. So you could join in on e- either of those, and uh, there's a price to each one. I'll let you to go there and figure all that out for yourself. If you go to vote, Tamika. That's VOTE, common spelling, T-A-M-I-K-A, Tamika.org. Then you you just hit on events, and it'll pull up Dinesh D'Souza's event, and you just uh, buy a ticket right there. And then you can, uh, uh, your seat will be reserved on July 3rd. So uh, that'll be a great event. If you don't want to come to that or can't come to that, I'd encourage you to donate, to vote. You can do it right there as well, VoteTamika.org. That'd be a huge help. She's a very fine woman and very conservative and um, a far cry from what we have right now, who is a person that is very, very, one of the most liberal guys, uh, liberal people in the Congress at this time, John Garamendi. So that's uh, Dinesh D'Souza speaking for Tamika Hamilton on July 3rd at Church of Glad Tidings. You can go to um, also the churchofgladtidings.com website to see upcoming speakers of various types. Uh, This event is listed there as well, but I'm just saving you a step. On July 16th, just a couple weeks later... Uh, General Michael Flynn, who was the National Security Advisor, briefly for uh, President Trump, and was serving in that capacity for Barack Obama and been a military man his entire life, adult life. Uh, General Michael Flynn is going to be doing a speaking tour. I think he's got three engagements in California. It's it's anchored here in Yuba City at the Church of Glad Tidings. Again, uh, if you're interested in that, you can go uh, to churchofgladtidings.com and just touch on events, and it'll go to the Michael Flynn uh, situation that evening. And uh, there are going to be several speakers that night. Uh, General Flynn will be, of course, the premier speaker. And uh, he's also going to begin the day at a breakfast that morning. And because it's busy at Church of Glad Tidings, the breakfast will be at another location uh and that it is at uh, 1104 j street in marysville called the bridge uh it's a building it's an event center and it's, uh you can uh, th- this uh, breakfast is for veterans and their spouses only uh so if you just think oh I I want to you know I believe in vets and I believe in the military I'm going to go it's not for you it's for vets and their spouses so the the way that's going to happen because it's a free event is that you need to register and get on the list and then show your ID when you get there. So there's going to be no cost to the vets. The church is going to pick up the tab, I understand, probably some of their sponsors. So if you'll call Tammy at five three zero six seven four zero four hundred, five three zero six seven four zero four hundred, uh you can register for the breakfast for you and or you and your your partner or spouse, whatever. Okay. So uh so but the Flynn also uh, uh my understanding is Lynn Wood, the attorney. Uh, w- at one time I believe he I can't remember whether he's from Georgia, went to North Carolina or South Carolina or vice versa, but he was uh very active in the Trump campaign defending Donald Trump and and calling out the uh corruption in the biden and the uh fbi and all the rest of them he's also one one that discovered the corruption in the richard jewell case that uh, they framed him as the atlanta uh olympics bomber and uh he uh was able to uh expose the fraud and the corruption the fbi and got richard jewell uh set free so uh So Linwood will also be here. There will probably be a couple other speakers, but the main speaker, as I said, is Michael Flynn, General Michael Flynn. uh, There's VIP tickets left. I believe they're $500 a piece, but all the general admission tickets are sold. There's a chance. uh, I think the general admission were $20, so you can't uh, purchase one ahead of time. If you just wanted to show up at the door and see if there's space, you could always do that uh the night. So you could uh check the let me see let me just see what the schedule is. And uh here we go. Let me just run you down the schedule. So uh on Friday that's eight to ten thirty in the morning, the veterans breakfast uh hosted by Pastor Jim Carpenter of the Bridge and I told you the five three zero six seven four zero four hundred. Uh so that ends at ten thirty. And then from ten thirty to two, there's some open time for the General Flynn and his team. Uh, there may be other things going on at ten At two thirty to three thirty is the VIP question and answer. That's five hundred dollars per seat. Doors open at one forty five. That's at Church of Glad Tidings eleven seventy-nine Eager Road in Yuba City so uh, there's room for I don't know two two hundred 266 capacity I think in that room and I heard there were some seats left but I don't I don't have any idea how many left uh, exactly so that's a VIP question and answer there will be uh, uh, an overflow room as well in the general admission area so you might be able to get into that, with, which will be live-streamed. Uh, let's see. Let me see if there's anything else I need to tell you about this. Uh, so the money from this event is going to uh, General Flynn's group called the Resilient Patriot. It's going to cover the costs of the event, plus everything else goes to him. The church doesn't make any money on it. Uh, there will be live stream. Uh, let's see, no live stream access to the VIP event. Let me just scroll on down here, make sure I get it correctly for you. Okay, then Friday at six o'clock, doors open. Uh, opening entertainment, opening speakers, Lynn Wood for 50 minute opening a- address. There'll be a little entertainment. Then there's going to be a short discussion on international human trafficking. And uh, then General Flynn will speak at 730. Currently sold out, 900 capacity. There is a 266 capacity overflow in the video stream and building 200 for walk-ups. If you want to walk up and take a chance on video streaming. Uh, there will also be a live stream feed to the general public. So the VIP to, has no live stream, but this event, the major event, probably the whole thing will be live stream if you want to stay home and watch it from there. Okay, so that's that. I want to get that out of the way. So uh, in case you needed to go somewhere, be busy, uh, or whatever, you, you at least you know what, what is going on here. Uh, okay, let me try to get back over to where I want to be. Okay. Um, all right, I wanted to talk a little bit about Gavin Newsom. I I've been speaking for months now. Almost I guess a year now when we started the recall for Gavin Newsom and it's called recallgavin2020.com and uh, they're they're recruiting money. They need money. 5, 10, 20 to to run this campaign to, to get him uh voted out of office. It's one thing to sign a petition and get him on the uh, ballot to be uh, voted on, and so it's yes or no, stay in office or go, and then you'll have an opportunity to vote uh, to replace him, your favorite choice of those running for the office to replace him for the remainder of his term. Now there is uh, Kevin Kiley, uh, who is a congressman, not a congressman, but assemblyman for the state of California uh, wrote this uh, blog and he talks about uh, how uh, he calls it Newsom's wild lie and he says sometimes dots connect themselves let's start with today's bombshell report that Newsom wildly misled the public about the fire prevention efforts in California now this has been a hustle uh, a fraudulent hustle by various governors for years in California, we pay taxes, all of us pay taxes we pay more taxes in almost any state in the union, and uh, many of us live in we uh, California is a dry, very dry, arid state that's just the way our weather's always been not bef- it isn't has, has doesn't have anything to do with climate change or warming uh, but one of the challenges is we also have a lot of water, but you have to manage the water with water uh, water projects so in the 1960s uh pat brown jerry brown's father put together the california water project and put together a series of dams on the rivers coming off the sierra nevada to store the water so farmers and fish and wildlife and everybody and uh, people that live in the the valleys will have enough water to live year-round because there's always plenty of water it's like it's like people that make a lot of money certain times a year if you manage a Right correctly, you'll have money throughout the year. So that was a concept, but when different governors came in, particularly Pat Brown's son, Jerry Brown, Jerry Brown was was a very liberal guy, more liberal than his father, and he 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 stopped the, the water project. So in the nineteen seventies the last dam was built, and there were dams still to be built to fulfill the water project. But since the nineteen seventies, now it's two thousand twenty-one, the population in California's doubled. But we're using the same stash of water each year. And so um, the other thing that's happened is we used to have forest management and uh, you had forest rangers and there was an aggressive forest management. And we used to have lots of logging above where I live here in Yuba County and trucks would be driving through town all the time with logs and they weren't cutting down all the forests. What they were doing is thinning out the forests, So. It's like in your garden, or you're around your shrubs in your house. Every every year or two, you got to thin out the shrubs because they keep growing, 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 and they become a tangled mess, and they don't look good anymore. So the idea was to trim, th- thin the forest, and clean out the underbrush. And then, uh, then, the, and the old timers knew this from 1800s that if you kept the floor the the forest clean, relatively clean. Then if you ever got a fire started, most of the fires in started by lightning. And if you ever got a fire started, it would burn itself out because it didn't get so hot that it would just explode uh, into such an inferno that it would catch, catch massive acres on fire and just mow through thousands and thousands of acres. But what the environmentalists said is we, wanted, we want the forest to go back to their native look, in other words, wild. And we want the humans to get out of the forest. And we want the uh, everything to be just let go like nobody ever tended to it. Well, when that happens, then when there is a fire, it just all burns to the ground, including all the flora and the fauna. That's all the plant life and all the animal life. And so that's what's been happening over the last probably about two decades now. There's been no management And you know how it works when there's no management, and there's no management in your house or your church or your business or anywhere, the sewage system of the city, the water system of the city. When there's no management, things fall to hell in a handbasket, as someone once said. So uh, what's been happening is we've, we've gone from having occasional forest fires to having infernos, and we had an entire town in Paradise, California, which is about 40 minutes from here. The entire town burned down. That's all the businesses, the homes, the schools, the libraries, everything burned down. And and many people, in fact, uh, over the last few years, people I know have, have burned up, died, personally, didn't just lose their property. They lost their lives because of lack of forest management. Now, what Kylie's saying here is an investigation from Capitol Public Radio uh, found that g- the governor misrepresented his accomplishments and even dis- disinvested in wildlife prevention, wildfire prevention, sorry. Newsom overstated by an astounding 690% the number of acres treated with fuel breaks. So in the, in the old days, if you'd travel up into Yuba County mountains above us here, you would run into logging logging, uh, uh, roads. And you'd think, oh, well that's damaging the environment. Not really. It was getting the logs out that were diseased or broken or too thick. It was getting the logs out and it was giving business to people, but it was also providing fire breaks and a quick way to get fire trucks in to knock down a fire. Now they just stay out on the perimeter and let it burn burn to death and burn everything up. So, uh, a number of years ago, they called—the uh, legislature uh, started what they called a fire tax, and that was like $150 per, per building per eight, per uh, parcel, and it was just assessed at uh, certain places in the hills of California, and it, it was contested every year, and uh, finally they stopped assessing it and went with a larger tax in general— And uh, but they said the reason we're doing this fire tax is you're not paying your fair share in these rural areas where we have these fantastic fires. Well, they also had quit doing fire prevention. We're at our first break. I'm going to be right back. I'm going to talk about uh, Gavin Newsom and the recall and we'll press on in just a minute.
0: Have you heard of the 1619 Project? It was published by the New York Times in August of 2019. It won the Pulitzer Prize for Commentary in 2020. Its thesis, the United States was founded in 1619 when the first slave was brought to North America. Wait, that brings up some questions. What happened to 1776? To July 4th? The Declaration of Independence? George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, and James Madison. According to the 1619 Project, the Founding Fathers pushed for all that life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness stuff to protect their slave holdings. Independence from England? That was just a smokescreen. To them, everything that's wrong with America is tied to her original sin of slavery, from segregation to traffic jams. Yes, traffic jams. For the 1619 Project authors, racism is not a part of the American experience. It is the American experience. Is this true? Let's look at three of the Project's major claims. 1. Preserving slavery was the real cause of the American Revolution. If you asked the founders why they no longer wanted to be a British colony, they would have given you a long list of reasons. Taxation without representation. Conflicts over debts from the French and Indian War. And the Stamp Act would be just a few. Probably most important was the burning desire to be free, to chart their own destiny as a sovereign nation. Protecting slavery, slavery was not under threat from the British. In fact, Britain didn't free the slaves in its overseas colonies until 1833, 57 years later, after the Declaration of Independence. Yes, the subject of slavery was hotly debated at the Constitutional Convention, but that was after the war was won, two, Slavery made America rich. Slavery made some Americans rich, true enough. Eli Yale, for example, made a fortune in the slave trade. He donated money and land for the university that is named after him. But the institution of slavery didn't make America rich. In fact, the slave system badly slowed the economic development of half the country. As economist Thomas Sowell points out, in 1860, just one year before the Civil War began, The South had only one sixth as many factories as the North. Almost 90% of the country's skilled, well paid laborers and professionals were based in the North. Banking, railroads, manufacturing, all were concentrated in the North. The South was an economic backwater. And the cost of abolishing slavery was enormous, not merely in terms of dollars Lincoln borrowed billions to pay for it but also in terms of human life. 360,000 Union soldiers died in order to free four million slaves. That works out to about one soldier in blue for every 10 slaves freed. It's hard to look at that butcher's bill and conclude that the nation turned a profit from slavery. And many things have happened since 1865. In the almost 200 years since the Civil War, the population of the country has grown almost 900%, and our national GDP has increased 12,000%. Slavery, did not make America rich. 3. Racism is an unchangeable part of America. This argument is more philosophical than scholarly, but it undergirds the entire 1619 Project. It's also pernicious because it suggests that the United States is an inherently racist country that can't overcome its flaws, yet that's exactly what it's done. Today, America is the most successful multiracial country in history the only white-majority country to elect a black president, twice. Of course, progress has not always been smooth. There have been terrible setbacks. But to compare American attitudes about race today to America a hundred years ago, let alone to 1619, is absurd. Here's a fact that should be better known. Two million black Africans have come to America as legal immigrants from countries like Nigeria in the last 50 years and have become one of the most successful groups in the country. Why would these folks move to what is often called an evil, racist country? Because unlike many people lucky enough to be born here, they know that America is a land of opportunity for everyone. It's also only fair to note that while blacks have heroically fought for our rights, often against great odds, we haven't done it alone. A vast number of decent whites have also advanced the cause of racial equality. To cite one of countless examples, the U.S. Senate that passed the landmark Civil Rights Act in 1964 contained 98 whites and two men of color. And they were Asian. The great black leaders of the past, Harriet Tubman, Frederick Douglass, Booker T. Washington, Martin Luther King, never lost faith in America's promise that all people are created equal. None of them believed that racism was America's defining characteristic. They were right. Shortly after the 1619 Project was published, a group of distinguished historians, almost all on the left, wrote a public letter condemning the work. They called it a displacement of historical understanding by ideology. They were right, too. I'm Wilfred Riley, Associate Professor of Political Science at Kentucky State University for Prager University.
5: First to
2: make it to college.
5: Finally got his own place.
2: Would do anything for his friends.
5: Fentanyl doesn't care who you are, where you live, or that you're a good person. Fentanyl hides in meth. It takes just two milligrams to kill, and the body count is up 68% in the past year.
1: He was always such a good boy.
4: we're back so what i was saying is they they stopped the logging so that eliminated logging roads that also eliminated the, the fire break areas where fire trucks could get in and stop a small fire bef- before it became an inferno so uh there you know with entire towns burning down the loss uh, i mean it's it's not only did people burn to death but it's billions of dollars in loss. So all the infrastructure of the entire city went down. It's like a bomb hit it. So uh, Kylie says it's hard to say which is worse, deception or dereliction. Now, what we've known about uh, uh, Governor Newsom, he's a liar, and uh, he's not a person of character. He's not loyal. He'll cheat on your uh, on his wife. He'll cheat on your wife, and um, he is a thief. And he doesn't care about killing people. He just killed a bunch of people and destroyed a bunch of people's education with his management mismanagement of the COVID, the COVID situation. Uh, <clears throat> at the moment, Newsom is trying to pass a new law to let him control, still have control when the recall happens. Kylie says so many laws are being changed to help him that election officials can't keep up. They sent an alarmed letter warning of impossible demands and voter confusion after months of delay Newsom suddenly wants to vote the vote to happen sooner his main supporter in the Senate openly explained why writing that fires are among Newsom's biggest threats and that's why the big best opportunity to beat this reckless recall is to have an early election so he's afraid that if the state gets on fire people will become disturbed infuriated because he still hasn't developed fire prevention it is an amount of it isn't that we're paying not paying enough taxes it isn't that we don't have a big enough budget it isn't that we don't have the money they just simply won't spend it for fire prevention ultimately what the liberals want to do is rewild it's a term uh that is coined in the uh, originally in agenda 21 they want to rewild rural areas and burn out the people that live there and have people live in stack and what they call stack and pack housing in the urban areas and leave all the rural areas uh, alone and don't let any humans back in there. So it can be this pristine place until it catches fire and burns everything completely up. So uh, overall it says in the NPR report, California California's wildlife response was faltered under Newsom fuel reduction output dropped by half, uh, in 2020 to levels below governor Brown's final year in office. At the same time, Newsom slashed uh, roughly 150 million from Cal fires, wildlife prevention budget. So you can see that he has no concern over the burning down of his own state. Um, so he hasn't prepared for this. And now he's afraid that we're going to end up uh, having this election right at the end of fire season. Now, the interesting thing is we've a lot of us. Uh, I have, but a lot of you haven't been through a recall election before. I've been through one governor and, and we successfully recalled him. Uh, so. After you get enough signatures to put the recall on the ballot, then there there's a series of timelines there's a timeline, a series of uh windows that must be fulfilled. And one of those windows was a thirty thirty day opportunity for anybody that signed to put Newsom's name on the ballot to recall him. They had thirty days uh time of remorse where they could go back and they could sign up a letter just signed a document saying I, I really have changed my mind and I want to take my name off that position p- petition. Now, out of, out of one more than one, I've heard anywhere from one point seven to two point one million signatures went in to say we want to recall the governor. So how many of those do you think decided to withdraw or change their mind, withdraw their signature? Out of 1.7 million, out of more than 1.7 million, this article says only 43 people in the entire state of California, all the various persuasions, genders, uh, flavors, all of them, 43 people signed the petition. They, they said, I changed my mind. That is an amazing thing right there, only 43 people. So now let me tell you the— uh, this how this thing is going to unpack the recall proponents had already turned in a sufficient number and so that we went through that 30-day period of remorse from april 26 to june 8 that's over now so now it's going to go to the finance committee to explain how much uh, this is going to cost and um It says here somewhere it's going to cost $215 million, a price tag, for the county election officials to process this election. So they may just waive all this uh, sorting out and just move it along, but there's a couple different time periods where it has to be recertified after they go over the finances uh, to hold a recall, and uh, then uh, they're not – there's probably not going to be a need for what they call a joint legislative budget committee to conduct a 30-day review. So then it'll it'll go to um, a ballot. Now, originally we thought it was going to go uh, maybe to the ballot in November, but if if Newsom wants it on there early, he may be able to influence them to put it on there even as soon as August, which is amazing, because if you're running for the office, if you're a if you're a candidate for governor in the event that Newsom gets voted out that does not give you much of a chance chance to uh to establish a campaign however these guys and gals that wanted to be governor they've they've been they know we've been doing this uh this campaign to recall Newsom since uh last year right, early last year right so uh, something to think about, and uh, please contribute towards the uh, the recall of Governor Newsom. And uh, we're going to, even in your communities or in your organization, your churches, you can also register people to vote. People that have become of age, 18 is the year that, that you can begin voting. Many people have moved. Other people have uh, moved. Uh, if you moved or changed address, you should re-register to vote. Uh, but please register and get going. Now, it's interesting. One of the candidates that's running that claims to be a Republican, he's really not. Uh, he's from San Diego, and he is a uh, what I call a Republican in name only. He's been accused of all kinds of fraud and illegal business activity. His name's Kevin Falconer, F-A-U-L, F-A-L, F-A-U-L, C-O-N-R, Falconer. He's the former mayor of San Diego and a current Republican candidate for the governorship. And he tweeted the other day, remember it was Juneteenth last week, last Saturday, it was, uh, June 19th. And it was the day that, uh, the blacks, it was their own celebration of the emancipation when they were slaves were emancipated. That means they're set free. And so, uh, It's interesting that the Democrats take credit for this, but the Democrats actually uh, were trying to stop that from happening. They killed Lincoln. They stopped many of the freedoms from happening, and they resisted Juneteenth with all they could, but today they celebrated that they created the holiday. Now, Kevin Falconer, he tweeted out, and he um, put out a Pan-American flag. In other words, instead of honoring... This day and putting it under the American flag, uh, he says, today we pause to celebrate freedom from the ending of slavery in our country, including a campaign graphic included with a campaign graphic of the red, black and green banner known as the Pan-American flag instead of the red, white and blue Juneteenth flag. Now, that shows you we got a problem with Kevin Falconer right there. The Pan-American flag has many uses and meanings, but it's typically associated with specifically with the black community and sometimes linked to radical causes. It has its roots in support for Marcus Garvey's plan to lead black Americans to establish a colony of their own in Africa. Did you know that uh, during the Civil War, towards the end of the Civil War and when the Emancipation Proclamation was declared, there was a movement among some whites and blacks to establish a nation— or a colony, if you want to call it that, in Africa. And those Af- those Americans, black Americans, that wanted to return to Africa could get on that ship and they would be paid for to go back to Africa. In order to pull that off, the Americans uh, put together a nation over there called Liberia. And if you look up Liberia, or based on liberty, Liberia, And you look at some of the towns and main highways, they're all named after presidents of the United States. It's interesting that hardly anybody wanted to go back to Africa. Have you ever wondered why? Because now the black people had settled in this country, whether they were slaves or not. And now generation after generation after generation were accustomed to the ways of the United States of America and the prosperity of the United States of America and the Constitution of the United States of America, and they did not want to go back to tribal African living, which is the way they got abducted, put into slavery ships, and sold and brought to not just America but all over this part of the world, the Philippines, Caribbean, etc. So what we have here is Falconer is uh, toying and playing uh, with the uh, black sympathies of the liberals. Uh, You don't want to vote for Kevin Falconer under any circumstances. Uh, Okay. So... I think it was Teddy Roosevelt that said, "If you couldn't be wholly for an America as an American, wholly devoted, you weren't an American at all." I totally believe that. What we have here is millions and millions of people living in America right now that aren't Americans at all. They just say, "Well, I'm some American." No, you're not really American at all. Uh so um, let's see. My my printer broke down, and I don't have some of my cheat sheets that I usually use here. So um, let me—I want to spend some time on this Dennis Prager article, and I think I mentioned it last week, but I didn't feel like I could spend much time on it. It says, the Single Best Thing Americans Can Do to Retake America. That's the title. Dennis Prager, he's the founder of Prager University, which is an online YouTube channel. And amazing five, six, eight minute uh, clips on all kinds of great topics. Really bright people. You could actually play those for your youngsters and they'd be way smarter than the average student in the public education system. So uh, Prater said uh, the most I have this question asked of me every once in a while, as, as once a while as well. He says, the most frequent question people pose to me is, what can I or we do to fight back against nihilistic anti-American destruction of virtually all the country's major institutions? He said, the single best thing I want you to think about, what do you think the best thing to do is? He says, the single best thing Americans can do to counter a left-wing attack on America Against its freedoms, its schools, its families, its children, its government institutions, its sports, its news, its entertainment, media, its medical establishment, the CIA, the FBI, the State Department, the military. What do you think it is? It's to remove your children out of American schools. He says, other than in STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and math, the vast majority of America's elementary schools, high schools, colleges, universities, your children, or grandchild, almost nothing important. That's amazing. Dennis Prager is an intellectual. He said they teach almost nothing that's important. Prematurely, they not only do that, but they prematurely sexualize them, thereby robbing them of their innocence and harm them intellectually and morally. They rarely teach them, for example, art or music because they are too darn busy teaching them race-centered hatred of whites, of America and of America's values. Sending your children or your child to most American schools is playing Russian roulette with their values. But unlike the gun in Russian roulette, which has a bullet in only one of its six chambers, the school's guns hold four or five bullets. In many elementary schools, your child is taught that gender is chosen and that there is no difference between boys and girls. And in a growing number of schools, the teachers are told not to call the students boys and girls. They are taught about masturbation. They're taught about anal sex. And many children from first grade on attend Drag Queen Story Hour. That's where they bring a drag queen in and read stories. I have used to do it all the time. I would go in and do a reading time with the kids once a week at Mary Kovalod School. And um, the kids loved being read to. And uh, But this is a drag queen story hour where a drag queen comes in. In other words, a man dressed up in full female uh, drag. Uh, So given all that this given that all this is well known, why do non left meaning liberal or conservative parents send their children to an American school? Well, I have ideas and I think some of them are similar to his. One reason is they're just in denial. And people are overwhelmed with busyness and they just hope that it really isn't true. They just don't know what they're, they they do not know what their children are doing at school, or what they're taught. They just don't, they hope they don't come home with a sexually transmitted infection, a baby on board or drugs or be become a member of a gang. They don't believe schools will really ruin their child. They just don't believe they're in denial. It's kind of like the Stockholm syndrome they've kind of identified with their captors, but millions, yes, millions of Americans whose children now have contempt over of, of America have now seen the fruits of eight hours after eight hours, after eight hours, after eight hours, five, eight hours, or seven and a half hours a week. children are bombarded, they're indoctrinated that America is bad, it's always been bad, it's sinful. It's evil. We're the worst country in the world, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so the second reason besides denial is, a sec- is the um, people feel they do not have a choice. They're working. They don't have the money. They don't think to send a child to a private school. And uh, they just don't seem could like like they can pull off homeschooling and do it well. And But the other thing is that a lot of private schools are just as woke or screwed up in the head at, as as the uh government schools are so and if they do find a school that teaches rather than poisons they may not be able to afford the tuition so prager goes on down here he makes some great points and i have been advocating uh what freight what prager is saying for quite a while He says, Prager says, given the low intellectual note of most American schools, the damage they do to young children's innocent and the anti-American, anti-white, anti-Western indoctrination in most schools, if you are a parent of school age children, what is your choice? You got to take them out. And there's a great movement of taking kids out of school right now everywhere. There's some friends of mine that are trying to start a school in the Yuba-Sutter area. They're a married couple. And they're both teachers. They just quit the government schools; they're fed up. Also, uh, there's there are more and more parents all the time pulling their kids out of school. So, out at Church of Glad Tidings, some of those parents that have done just that have started a um, they. It's an attempt to help and em, and embellish and equip parents to do homeschooling, and it's called Arrow Education. A-R-R-O-W, education. And you can, uh, if you want to find out more about it and meetings, you can attend to learn about education, some of the bills that are being passed to harass you as a parent that's going to educate your own kids, how to equip yourselves, do it legally, et cetera, et cetera. You can reach out to uh, 530-671-3160, 530-671-3160. Ask for Jessica with Arrow Education, and she will do what she can to help you uh, do the best education. Honestly, I wish I got to start over right now with uh, school-age, kids' age. I would, I would be thrilled with what the amazing things on these different uh, platforms, whether it's BitChute or Rumble or YouTube or whatever, some wonderful resources uh, that are available to all of us right now. To teach our kids Or or to actually learn for ourselves Alright, we're getting ready to take another break This is our second break And uh, we'll be back for uh, two-thirds of the show In just a minute I oh, want it. it's time for a change You may get disgusted Start thinking that I'm strange Hi,
6: I'm with the U.S. military and I identify as a four-star general lately things around here have gotten a little more woke and we've done nothing but get more powerful as a result. We found that solely focusing on national defense was interfering with the military's goal of diversity, so we've worked hard to help turn that around. Without enough inclusivity and diversity, being on the battlefield taking heavy fire just isn't a safe space. We feel a powerful step in national security for our country is indoctrinating the military with woke principles that ultimately stem from hatred for our country. Let me tell you about all our exciting improvements. Now that the military has gone woke, combat leaders will no longer be selected based on operational excellence, technical proficiency, leadership integrity, agility, or trained lethality. Instead, They'll be selected based on race and gender. We're proud to say our special forces teams are now the most diverse special forces units on the planet. Each unit is comprised of the ideal tactical diversity ratio of 10% white, 10% black, 10% Hispanic, 10% Asian, 10% gay, 10% bi, 10% trans, 10% paraplegic, 10% quadriplegic, and 10% severely mentally handicapped. I have never once seen any evidence that strong, aggressive men who love our country and who are highly trained at inflicting violence are any more effective on the battlefield than anyone else. Wook politicians in Washington who have never been on the battlefield have determined that critical race theory is important for our soldiers to be indoctrinated into. Now the military includes critical race theory works on its reading list. One book on the list is by Abraham Kennedy. He says that the only remedy for past discrimination is present discrimination. It's kind of like he's innovated and realized Two wrongs do make a right. Luckily, the military is dedicated to ending discrimination by implementing discrimination through critical race theory. So now in life or death situations, we'll have more division between races and hopefully some resentment. Unity is the last thing you want when persons are putting their lives on the line. And instead of fighting a common enemy, what happens when you start fighting each other a little bit? We're gonna find out. A few of the upcoming strategies we'll be implementing to further improve our military are, we'll be rebranding Green Berets as Rainbow Berets. Snipers will now be required to ask their targets to identify their chosen pronouns prior to shooting so that they may be killed in a safe space. We're replacing all hand-to-hand combat training with hand-holding training. We'll only be going after foreign terrorists who are white. Going after any other type of terrorist who's plotting to kill Americans would obviously be racist. And that's something we don't want to perpetuate, according to our critical race theory tactics. And we'll further be expanding our inclusivity and equality by adopting strategies that have proven to be successful in little league sports. Like now, everyone will get a turn flying a fighter jet. We were finding that privileged pilot training was rooted in a discriminatory system whereby if someone wasn't qualified to be a pilot, They weren't allowed to be a pilot. Now, moving forward, every Navy SEAL team must be made up of 50% men, 50% women, and 50% gender fluid living entities. We've proven through politically correct science that a person's strength has no correlation to how strong they are. Thus, women who can't lift as much are just as strong as men who can lift more because of equality. The idea that men are better suited to carry 80-pound rucks and 210-pound wounded soldiers on their backs over rugged terrain is simply a myth rooted in centuries of toxic masculinity. Strength is just a social construct. Everybody's strong enough. Today, we're permanently replacing hand-to-hand combat training with hand-holding training. It'll instill more emotional sensitivity in our soldiers to give them more resiliency when words are weaponized. The leader of identity politics, our commander-in-chief himself, President Biden, has recently informed the world that the greatest threat against our military is climate change. Nothing political there, just actual warfare knowledge. Accordingly, we'll no longer be equipping our soldiers with outdated guns. Instead we'll be equipping them with both warm clothes and cool clothes to help them survive against the weather. Here's a woke military question for you. Say you're in a firefight with dangerous radicals in Afghanistan. Are you allowed to shoot back? Absolutely not. Because that would be uninclusive and racist because they're not white. Instead just take the bullets and as you and your team are laying there dying, just ask yourself this question. How could we have prevented all this through more inclusivity? And finally, with our special forces, we've eliminated all fitness and technical proficiency requirements as we found they were uninclusive for the people who couldn't meet them. And for the record, no, there's no negative ramifications on the battlefield, okay? Hey, where'd all those caskets come from? Yeah. Yeah.
7: So I can show you how your mind.
4: Welcome back. It's our third segment, and uh, I had a doctor call me this week, talk to me about the fact that doctors may be mandated, forced to take the vaccine, actually the jab. There's no such thing as the COVID vaccine. It's simply injecting nanoparticles in your system that will... uh, it's called the spike protein nanoparticle. Do you understand that the spike protein is unique to this virus? And it was humanly made. This isn't some virus that just evolved or developed or sprung up uh, in nature that jumped into the uh, human species. Now, it's interesting, the things that happened to you in the past, and you don't even really know what's happening to you. But in the 2003 or 2004... I had a team that was forming and almost ready to commit to tickets and everything to fly to China, fly to Hong Kong, stay in Hong Kong, smuggle Bibles in, in and out of China, and then eventually fly over to Vietnam, et cetera, do the same there, then come home. And right before we were getting ready to buy the tickets, the SARS epidemic started in uh, China, Hong Kong. I had never heard it, heard about such a thing. You know, things you hear about things over the bird flu, the swine flu, the, this flu, the, that flu. And you hear about those things. So I thought, Oh, SARS, but a lot of people were getting sick and dying. It started, it seemed like a lot when it started. Uh, so about half the team members canceled afraid if they flew into Hong Kong, they were going to catch this and die. So we went over there and we had a wonderful time and, um, uh, it was easier to get on everything. Everybody was, staying home hiding just like they did here and so uh over there what they the story that they uh, propagated which was an entire lie was that the civet cat c-i-v-e-t civet cat which is looks kind of like a fox cat combo uh the chinese it's kind of the joke it is chinese will eat anything that moves well civet cat will move and they eat some cat meat just like some others eat dog meat. So the story was that a civet cat had been ill, and a family ate it, and then they got ill, and they spread it all around. It's a total lie. The same thing that happened during the SARS epidemic happened this time. It was manufactured, uh, it was... uh, one of those to develop the function of, of a uh, disease, which is used in one way, and that is biological warfare. So what's, what you're getting jabbed with is the introduction of a biological warfare method uh, uh, method or approach, and you're being injected with it and you're going to continue to get injected with it because once you start they're going to say well you got to have it now you got to have this booster shot or you're mandated or you can't go to you can't go to group meetings you can't go to church you can't go to you can't go to visit grandma you can't be in a go to a concert you can't do this so they're going to develop these things called vaccine passports cuz how do they know unless they can screen you like with radiation you know like a detector thing just like they te- take, they can take your temperature without touching you now. They may be able to already, with the nanoparticles that have been injected into your system by Moderna, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, or whatever they call it. There's three or four of these different organizations, Johnson & Johnson. Uh, there's a way to detect whether you have the virus. Now, it's interesting that this, uh, whether you had the virus and whether you had the Uh, shot. And it's interesting to show that this shot actually gives off uh, potential to be ill yourself. It actually can, it's given you something totally opposite of what a vaccine was designed for. And so uh, this whole thing has been a fraud. This thing has not been misdiagnosed and just a comedy of errors, as they say. This thing has been something that is perpetrated on the world community. The idea is to exterminate uh there's a, probably about seven and a half billion people on the globe right now. they want to eliminate seven billion of those and only have five hundred million. They don't think that will eliminate all the problems of the world. shortage of this shortage of that global warming all that so they're going to just eliminate and how are they going to do? they're going to shoot you No, they're going to inject you. And they've already been injecting people. Already people have been died from this COVID injection. Uh, in fact, I just read where a 13-year-old boy, the, a 13-year-old boy is absolutely immune to this illness. And he, somebody convinced him to go have a shot, and he died days afterwards. Now, children are immune to this thing. Children are not immune to the typical flu, but they are immune to COVID-19. Why in the world would you force upon children any kind of a uh, compliance measure whether it's wash your hands whether it's mask whether it's social distancing or whether it's the injection right these injections are going to kill people when they begin getting ill from something else and the immune system absolutely devours itself now uh th- All the things that they preached were science, 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 the PCR test, social distancing, staying locked down, on and on and on, were all fabricated frauds. None of them had any basis in science, and the reason they perpetrated them on us was to get Nazi-like or communist-like control, and the reason they could get away with it, because most people are just hardwired to do what the government tells them. So I wrote an, an article this week called Licking an Airpoint, Airport Toilet Safer. In other words, licking an airport port toilet is actually safer. So I said, Ubi supervisors pooled their ignorance when backing the dangerous medical officer's COVID mandates. None of the regulations saved lives, but instead led to the physical and mental illness, depression, suicide and overdose deaths. Is anyone making a list of monetary, marital, and educational damage done by this doctor? Even Sutter County Supervisor Dan Flores, with no medical credentials, tried to gain political points by endorsing a dangerous Little League rule that children wear masks and social distance in the dugouts. Deceiving children using the bait of fun is child abuse. With no science behind any of Officer Liu's mandates, the state and county Gestapo resorted to Dr. Joseph Mengele-style manipulation of children's lives. It is cruel, disgusting, and a crime against humanity. Schools now are more like prison camps than a, simulated, than, than a simulating, stimulating place of learning and social interaction. Uh, then I write a little bit about, I refer to Dennis Prager's article, and then I tell about this young, tragic, uh, kid up in uh Crook County Oregon at the high school there Savannah lay female wore her mask because she was forced to by the coach the basketball coach in the full court uh scrimmage and, uh, and and at the assistance of Kate Brown and her fascist state Kate Brown's a governor in Oregon after excusing herself the young girl got so out of breath she went down into the locker room and went into the bathroom and collapsed Her heart stopped, and she was laying dead on the floor until somebody stumbled in there and found her. A miracle happened at the hospital, and they revived her. But despite what the medical fascists still claim about the veracity of masks, face masks are completely useless at at preventing the spread of a virus and will make you actually sick. Now, you would think that the health officer of Sutter County, who claims she's very bright— would know that all the things she told us to do all make us sick. I'm going to write another article on uh, this week on the effect of social distancing on people and how that's a POW uh, terrorist technique. The masks of kids in sports are soiled. They tote around and use the same piece of cloth or fabric over and over again. Scott Moorfield in in the magazine Town Hall said the pathogens that are lurking in the fabric pose more serious health risks than the Communist Chinese Party virus itself due to masks being constantly handled, stuffed in pockets and tossed on books, desks and lunch tables. A group of Florida parents sent their children's masks to a lab to find out what on earth was on them parents had some suspicions but were stunned with the findings six masks were analyzed five of them contained bacteria parasites and fungi including three masks were with dangerous pathogenic and pneumonia causing bacteria not a single virus was detected on any mask why masks don't stop a virus the analysis uncovered the following 11 dangerous pathogens on the mask i'm not going to read them all i'll read a few streptococcus in, in other words the the uh pathogens that cause pneumonia meningitis sepsis bloodstream infections utis uh e coli that's found in food poisoning uh the the uh infection that causes lyme's disease diphtheria, Legionnaire's disease, staph, that's severe infections with high morbidity rates, and staphylococcus, meningitis and sepsis. So, don't you know that, wouldn't you think that the doctors of the United States that are at the lowest level would care enough to know that these filthy things put around our noses and mouths would actually be inhaled and cause people to be in sick. And then they would take credit for the sickness being COVID over at the hospital. So they could fraudulently collect $39,000. So they not only told us wrong remedies, they prevented the right remedies from being available to the public. So a uh, one third, uh um, One-third of the mass were tainted with one or more strains of meningitis causing bacteria. One-third were fouled with dangerous antibiotic-resistant bacterial pathogens as well as other pathogens that can induce, induce fever, ulcers, acne, yeast infection, strep throat, periodontal disease, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, and numerous other health conditions. Human Rights an anti-trafficking attorney Lee Dundas said children would be safer licking the toilet rim at LA International Airport than wearing a mask. She calls the COVID mandates the second holocaust. Now what's happening is you don't know it that it hits you yet, but you're a little bit by a little bit complying and so you're complying by wearing a mask, you're complying by social distancing, you're complying by restricting your freedom and not traveling about. Uh, but you're being labeled and right now the people that have a vac- that have been jabbed they have a vac- vaccination card but they they're going to have a memory of them in the computers of the United States and know which of others of you resisted because you've just read too much and know too much of the truth what's happening now is the development of a Nazi state to control every aspect of our lives so uh Lee Dundas goes on to say, we are making our children physically and psychologically ill for adults to carry out their political agenda. This is more, there is more than 99.9. I wonder if you've ever been sick and and were ever told this, that whichever sickness you had, that you had a 99.9% chance to live. Well, I'm telling every one of these children that are out there... uh, that have even supposedly think they got COVID or somebody wants to jab them with a needle and inject them with something. There's more than an almost a hundred percent chance of survival for those who test positive for COVID. In other words, they get COVID on boards so and no big deal and children are basically immune. So, so local officials endorse wearing a mask and taking the jab, both of which are life threatening. All right. So, uh, now, you might think, well, kids just are funky anyway. I mean, their T-shirts are dirty, their pants are dirty, this is dirty, that dirty, their hair's dirty, they stink, right? Well, researchers also tested a piece of clothing that the kids also wore, like they a lot of more T-shirts as a type of control, but they did not find any of the same pathogens in those fibers. Only the masks worn on the face were found to contain the pathogens putting both children and their teachers at work, or at risk, sorry, both children and their teachers at risk. All right, so um, I wanted to, uh, let's see where we are here. Okay, I need to get back on my other window. Okay. All right, we're coming up to the close of our third sec- segment out of six. I got uh. So Dennis Prager says, "Get your kids out, and uh, that will help America because then we can begin teaching them the things that they were taught in the early years of the founding fathers and be able to appreciate what America America is really about. So I've got, have got a clip here about Black Lives Matter, and uh, I wrote an article that was a, the, the article that the territorial re- dispatch was too fearful to run. Right at the beginning of Black Lives Matter, and, uh, and they were claiming that it was finally we were going to give the blacks their just due. And and uh, help them and forgive them and encourage them and appropriate them and all that kind of stuff. So, but I I knew that this was a bunch of baloney because uh, all the Chinese were putting money into the NBA, and uh, the Chinese had millions of people in slave labor camps, and they were they were uh, abusive shoe factories in Vietnam, where one of my uh, young girls that I've tried to help. Uh, was working the shoe factory for $140 per month, working six days a week, I think, 8 to 12 hours. And uh, so making the type of shoes that uh, make the huge profits that then people like uh, Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick, could then be given $5 million here and $5 million there, $20 million here and $20 million there. All the while trying to expose persecution here and racism, whereas he's actually making money off the Vietnamese and Chinese human trafficking and uh, and slave labor they have over there. It just doesn't make any sense. So uh, anyway, I wrote this back in February of uh, the beginning of the COVID year. Because I believe God gave me insight to this thing. So I, I, the title of it was Back, Black Lives Don't Matter to Blacks. And it says, in early America, poverty fighters taught that there, were, there was good and bad charity. Good lifted a person to self-reliance, and bad created dependency. When government took over welfare, in fact, I was just hearing tonight, a friend of mine called me and said that the biggest budget item in the Yuba County budget is welfare. Now, it's interesting that that's, that's the big, biggest budget item. When when the United States Congress never had a welfare budget, zero. They didn't believe in it. Not, they didn't believe in it. They never did it. And now it's the biggest budget item we have. Think of what we could do if everybody actually went and got a job. I, I find help wanted signs all over the community right now. When government took over welfare from private charities, discernment was ditched for mass distribution, whether the results were toxic or not. Today, nearly all foreign and and, uh, nearly all U.S. foreign aid is stolen by corrupt leaders or actually harms the local economy, according to Dambisa Moyo, New York Times bestseller, Dead Aid. I'm reading that book now. It's great. So when there's a, a supposed need... How does society get the remedy so wrong? Often people don't know the facts, can't understand the facts, or don't want to face the facts. The truth may not fit the agenda. Such is the case with the supposed Black Lives Matter movement that has nothing to do with saving lives, but everything to do with anarchy. Many blacks are killed at the hands of Black Lives Matter rioters. What's up with that? All the while, the institution to maintain peace and order for the nation, law enforcement, is the scapegoat for BLM evil. Shallow thinkers often compare arrest rates of blacks with the percentage of blacks in America and find a disparity as that the two figures should be the same. However, blacks commit crime at exponentially higher rates, and blacks are victimized by crime at exponentially higher rates. According to Heather McDonald, fellow at the Manhattan Institute and author of The War on Cops. Kaylee Scales, a Black Lives Matter member, says modern day policing institutions have their roots in slave catching. These systems were created to hunt, maim and kill black people. Be right back.
3: You've been running much to alone no it's just a foolish pride lay down got me on my knees they love got the baby please
7: there are those Layla. who claim america's true founding was in the year 1619, when African slaves were forced across the Middle Passage to come to the New World. They claim that America is rooted in oppression and racism. These are the claims of the 1619 Project. But the true founding of America happened in 1776, when a group of rebels fought for independence from the British and built America with one idea in mind, freedom for all. Our Founding Fathers saw the future, a world without slavery. But America did not start out this way, as some were not free. Sadly for America, some refused to embrace the idea of freedom for all. They thwarted laws prohibiting the importation of slaves, laws intended to end slavery in America once and for all, and would have certainly preserved the barbaric institution of slavery forever. A Civil War was declared. Over 300,000 white men fought alongside 36,000 of their black brothers, and all made the ultimate sacrifice, giving their lives to end slavery. Proponents of the 1619 Project refused to acknowledge this history. After the Civil War, America remained a divided nation, flawed, but now free to all. Reconstruction laid the framework what many blacks might have considered an unimaginable future, and it began with over 15,000 blacks being elected to office. By the turn of the 20th century, America began to experience an awakening as black culture was sewn in the fabric of the nation. The lines began to blur between black and white, black culture slowly infused with American culture. Still, the struggle continued. Hate groups like the KKK continued oppressing blacks. Laws were passed to prevent blacks from gaining the true American dream. Undaunted, America marched steadfastly toward its great vision, a vision enshrined in the nation's constitution. I
4: have a dream. That one day, this nation will
0: rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed.
7: The dream mentioned by Reverend King would eventually be embraced by all. The entire country lauded sports legends like Jesse Owens and Joe Lewis to destroy the idea of Hitler's white nationalism. Many other blacks destroyed racist and bigoted stereotypes as black engineers, scientists, doctors, judges, scholars, authors, playwrights, poets, and entertainers became mainstream to the American culture. Why would anyone want to destroy such a legacy, a legacy of overcoming adversity, to form one nation under God, one unhyphenated America?
8: Mr. President, just a very straightforward, honest question here. What do you say to the Americans who accuse you of being a Terrible person. Mr. President, I have it on good authority that the reason why Dr. Fauci isn't here is because you and Vice President Pence threw him in a dungeon with cro- crocodiles and alligators. Is there is there any truth to that? Do you ever worry, Mr. President, that you're acting too much like a fascist dictator? Why aren't you acting more like a fascist dictator? I wanted to know why you physically poured fish tank cleaner down the throats of the Arizona couple, and if you'll be facing charges for that. Do you care that people are starving right now? Why haven't you shut down the grocery stores? Your silence on the two tigers that have contracted COVID-19 is deafening, and I don't even have a question. I just wanted to let you know. Thank you so much. Why do you keep bringing up hydroxychloroquine when there is a point zero 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 seven percent chance that someone could have an adverse reaction i mean like why risk that president trump as you know there is a lot going on in the world right now like a lot of death a lot of sadness a lot of chaos and confusion which just leads me to the most important question which is why are you so mean to the media yes why don't you shake hands with people don't you think it's kind of Kind of rude. I'm just wondering why you're not wearing a full hazmat suit and what kind of example you think that sets for the American people. Uh, so China has dealt with this just absolutely amazingly. I mean, they shut people inside their homes to the point to where some of the people died just to stop this virus. And I'm just wondering like, why that's not on the table here? Do you not care? Is there a reason why you're not hand making these ventilators yourself. Yes, thanks. So I'm just looking for rough timeline of when you think we could probably get back to reporting on the real news, which is the war on journalism. One more very straightforward, like totally objective, looking for the truth, no ulterior motives behind this. What is your defense to the people? I I don't know who, but the people who say that you're an idiot.
5: I won't sugarcoat it. Tackling addiction is a tough project. I know, i beat beaten addiction to opioids, but it wasn't easy and it wasn't immediate. You can't just wing it. It's like building a complex piece. You've got to have a plan and you've got to have the right tools. Addiction can feel like too big of a problem to solve. I didn't know how to get serious about overcoming my addiction until I talked to my doctor about MAT. M.A.T. is short for medication-assisted treatment. It combines FDA-approved drugs with counseling and behavioral therapy, giving you the tools you need to break addiction down into something that feels manageable. It's the only plan with a proven track record, an 80% success rate over one and a half years, even higher success rates over longer periods of time. The drugs M.A.T. uses bind to the opioid receptors in your brain, helping you beat your withdrawal symptoms and your cravings. Drugs like methadone, buprenorphine, or naltrexone. This method can move you from maintaining your addiction to beating it. If you or someone you love is struggling with opioid addiction, talk to your doctor about MAT. They'll work with you to figure out the right medication and a treatment plan that works for your medical history and personal needs. A plan that puts you back on track for life.
6: Learn more at peoplesopioidproject.org.
4: Former civil rights leader Bob Woodson says that a police brutality problem targeting black people simply does not exist. It is patently untrue and is not a crisis, says Woodson. The founder of the Woodson Center says young black people are being taught by other blacks that they are exempt. In other words, they're never going to be uh, held accountable for personal responsibility because all of your problems are related to white people's actions in the past. And your condition cannot change until whites change. Woodson calls this mental slavery. That's exactly what it is. Mental slavery. And it's just creating something out of nothing. Woodson says that statistics do not support the black Lives matter claim that the police are racist. About 7,500 Black people are killed by homicide each year, according to McDonald. Nine unarmed black men were killed in police shootings 2019. That's nine out of 7,500. And of approximately 1,000 victims of police shootings who were, aimed, who were armed or otherwise dangerous, 235 were black, about a quarter of the 1,000. The That is about twice the percentage of black population, but it does not follow that the motive for shooting blacks was racism. The frequency of officers' use of force is determined by the number of encounters with violent or resisting suspects overall, and the rate at which blacks were killed is far less than what their crime rates would predict, says McDonald. Now, it's interesting that on the the audio I gave you of another lady talking about this situation. She says uh, the odds of you getting hit by lightning and killed are better. You got a bigger chance, better chance than being killed by a cop, being black and being killed by the cop. McDonald says blacks commit about 60% of all homicides and robberies in the largest U.S. countries and commit. Gun homicide, about 10 times the rate of whites and Hispanics. Thomas Apt, in his book Bleeding Out, said that race matters when it comes to urban violence. He points out that the homicide victimization rates of black men were 3.9 times the national average, and 52% of all known crime victims were black, 2017 data. He could have said that The perpetrators of all these crimes are overwhelmingly African-Americans as well. In 2018, where the homicide victim was black, the suspected killer was black 88% of the time. Did you get that? If the victim was dead and black, the suspected killer was black and found to be A black person, 88% of the time. This is not unusual from 76 to 2005, 94% of black victims were killed by other African Americans. In fact, some argue that high rates of black on black killing have been the norm for over a century. My article goes on to say, however, high crime rates do not excuse police excuses, abuses. Regardless of the profession, getting rid of a problem performance is the key to maintain high standard and good outcomes. Overly strong unions can hinder firing problem cops, though. Better training is always helpful, but as long as black crime is high in minority areas, there will be more cops there unless they choose to not respond at all. Now, my friends were just telling me that And show me articles today how uh, in some of these cities where they've not funded the police again. Rah, 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 rah. rah, I'm a good liberal. um, Homicides are way up in those cities tonight. The no response reaction is the Ferguson effect. Where police pulled back from doing their jobs following the Ferguson riots. The result was an additional 2,000 black males being killed in 2015-16 compared to early levels the largest two-year increase in the 50 in 50 years BLM and Antifa and the potential race hustlers are not interested in the real problems with the black community namely fatherlessness low marriage rates and self extermination It is mainly whites and other ethnic groups, not blacks, that have investigated and solved crimes against blacks and protested the aborting of black babies. Isn't it amazing that whites continue to be called racist and pigs and all those kind of things when they, their presence in the black communities and their presence around the community of city, citywide are constantly serving black people and solving problems not other blacks and not Hispanics. And I, I I think I have an article here to cover later if I get to it, but it's talking about, it's talking about the, the amazing uh, loss that, uh, that was rendered during COVID to tie into this. So we'll see if it does in a minute. White women are far less likely to have an abortion than black women. Maybe it is a matter of availability. A study of protecting black lives in 2012 found that 79% of Planned Parenthood's surgical abortion facilities are located within walking distance of minority communities. Huh. It's just like a good fishing spot. Remember your favorite fishing hole? had all kinds of uh, uh, expectation when you went to that fishing hole. So a study by Protecting Black Lives found that 79% of Planned Parenthood surgical abortion facilities are located within walking distance of the minority community. Do any BLM or Antifa people want to close PP clinics, To save black lives. I thought that was all what's all about saving black lives. Now we got them out there abort, blocking abortion clinics or fighting with uh, protesters. I concluded by saying black lives don't matter to blacks. What does matter are political power and destroying America. Now, that's exactly what's going on. Their goal is destroying America. I didn't say all blacks. I said black lives matter and Antifa. And there there's the main problem. If you deny that, then I'm just sorry for you because that's that's the gospel truth of the situation. Um, all right, let me let me get back here. I want to uh take a moment here and give a shout out. So I can find my place. To some people that are supporting me, and one of them, I have a poster right here laying next to me, below me, on the floor. And it says, are you ready? Call us for Narcan prescriptions, opioid addiction treatment, residential drug treatment, counseling service, smoking secession. And Dr. Cassidy, who's the expert on addicts and addiction in this yuba County's area, he and I t- tag teamed together because going through the government to get money for treatment is impossible in the Yuba area. And uh, it's a, it's a bureaucratic nightmare that most healthy people that have all their wits about them during the day would not, would probably be a challenge just to go through it then. But it's just difficult to get into treatment. It's interesting. There's treatment places with beds and the government has money but that the the gap between the two it's almost like well you need to pre- prove yourself before you go up there so if you call dr cassidy or actually just start off by saying if you call me at 5307131838 or text me and tell me you need help in one of those areas it could be meth addiction as well any type of addiction uh I will hook you up with an appointment with Dr. Cassidy. Or you could go straight to Peachtree Clinic. That's here in Yuba-Sutter County. There's one in each county. And you can uh, call them and see if you can make an appointment for Dr. Cassidy. And if they uh, say, oh, he's got too many, or he's not taking any new ones, or, 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 then say, thank you very much. Bid them good day. And then when you get outside, just dial me up. And or you could dial Doctor Cassidy's number up, but I appreciate you texting it because he's a medical doctor and he's a busy boy all day. So text him five three zero six eight two eight six four eight. Have the addict call Grandma calling for the grandson, Dad calling from the, for the girl. We need the the addicts to call, or to text. Text Dr. Cassidy 682 8648, or you could just call me 713 1838. We will help you get into rehab. Now, this is working. Uh, it's a very low budget deal. We printed up some like uh, three by three or three and a half by three and a half cards, and then we have some posters to put around in business places or laundromats or wherever. So, uh, anyway, Dr. Cassidy's a supporter of the program. We have a great program going on in stopping addiction overdoses. And uh, the cities, the counties are still having Zoom meetings. Uh, That's just, that's just tells a mouthful right there. Okay. Um, I want to also give a shout out to Monty Hecker at, at the elite universal security, 5548 Featherer Boulevard. If you want to get in the security business, he will hire you. And uh, if you want to get some security, get some protection, whether you're a single individual, a residential uh, liver, um, if you are a farmer, if you are a businessman, or you work for the government, uh, Monty Hecker can bro- provide a great service from Elite Universal Security. You can call them up if you have any needs at 530-749-0280, or you can go online at api-academy.com. That's for their schooling. EliteUniversalSecurity.com probably give you their um, their jobs availability. Now, even though they're located, started in Yuba County, they're all over the North State now. Even, I think Monty told me one day they had some jobs on the other side of the Oregon border, just into Oregon. Also, Greenitz Construction, Dave Greenitz Construction, um, you can look it up, GreenitzConstruction.com or Dave Greenitz facebook dave Grant's construction facebook page or you can just go old school and dial him up 530-682-9602 now let me just save you a step because he's not going to build your whole house he's he remodels portions of your house they'll redo the whole bathroom the whole kitchen do the entryway put a whole house fan in he specializes in the incredible and so when you check his his um website or Facebook page that's all real stuff it hasn't been photoshopped it hasn't been gamed I know this he and his wife for over 40 years are very honest good people and if you want to get a quote you're probably gonna to have to wait for a few months to get a quote because they stay busy year-round doesn't matter they just put out good good work also I want to mention the plumbing doctor 671 530 671 so the other day I had a guy call me uh, needed a job I knew him when he was years and years ago when he was juvenile hall I said hey called Ted Holmes he got himself a job in 24 hours a plumbing doctor they do all of the, they do all the kind of construction other than plumbing and this guy had some uh, construction skills okay so uh, let's see it seemed like there's one more and I'm, it's North Valley Paralegal and that's Nelly Garcia if you want somebody that really cares and not BSing you, but really cares and not going to just take you money away from you when it's a very simple, in other words, she's going to be honest. They're not going to be scamming you, gaming you, playing you against the judge or against the DA and good guy, bad guy. All that nonsense is gone. So if you want an honest, fine woman that uh, will help you with your legal problems you can call Nellie at 530-751-9289. Let me give it to you again, 530-751-9289. So uh, check them out, and those those are all people that support our operation, whether it's the, the uh, podcast channel or whether it's uh, on live radio. So you can hear me on live radio from 10 to noon on Saturday. Uh, as well as a podcast is popping up so you kind of get a double deal some of it each week is a little bit redundant it is for me um but i just had to say it once uh but but it can be a little redundant to listen to both shows the live show and the podcast although the podcast is longer and i can talk about more stuff here so one of the big frauds um of our lifetime has been uh the concept of global warming global cooling and it's been a, a there's if you look at what the liberals are doing or the democrats they're they're trying to create one crisis after another crisis after another crisis to where people say you know something we can't manage our own lives and can we just give you everything we own now if you ever read the account of moses with pharaoh when he was taken into Pharaoh's household and grew up and married one of the women there, uh, if you ever read, sorry, uh, not Moses, but uh, Joseph, if you ever read that, uh, I'm sorry, it is Moses. If you ever read that and you read what the Pharaoh did when seven years of famine came, they took away everybody's Uh, assets they stripped everybody of assets little by little by little first they took away the people's grain then they took the people's money and then they took the people's land and they all became subservient to the government now all these crises everything oh there's going to be a big uh, we're going to run out of oil remember Obama we're going to run out of oil then we're going to run out of water Then we're going to run out of this or we're going to run out of that. And what we need to do is do green energy and get rid of fossil fuels. The one who, where do you think fossil fuels came from? You think it just evolved that that was given by God as a fuel for us to use. Not saying we always have to use it. If you've got a solar panel in your house, cool. But I want you to think about it. It says here, this meme, it says, has anyone ever thought about this? You know, Gavin Newsom says by 2000-something-something, he wants every car in California to be green. Somebody said here a while back that he actually asked electric car owners not to fuel their car because we are short on electricity. I want you to think about this. If all cars were electric and were caught up in a three-hour traffic jam, and I've been on those all the time coming through San Francisco from the San Francisco Airport. And we're caught up in a three-hour traffic jam, and they got dead batteries, then what? Not to mention that there's virtually no heating in an electric vehicle. And if you get stuck on the road all night, no battery, no heating, no windshield wipers, no radio, no GPS, because all these drain the battery. Listen, people, the whole concept of a green car, a green car is in no way green. No way. And the concept of 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 a relying on wind and wind energy and solar energy is foolishness. Oh yeah, PGE was forced into giving you a deal to let you get out of uh paying their uh energy that's being created by coal or fossils. You see, we import energy into California, both fuel energy and uh, electronic energy, because we don't want to work for it; we just want to buy it from somebody else. We have more fossil fuels and geothermal and all these other kind of fuels than any other state in the union and any other country. And yet, they're forbidden to. We're forbidden to use them. Instead, we're going to be dependent on blackouts. It's crazy what's going on in this world. So, uh, it's interesting. This sign, I see these weird signs all over now. In fact, I got to do some research. A lady called me. She's a server at Buffalo, Buffalo wings pizza. And, um, she told me, cause I was in there eating one day, but she, so she knows me from there. <clears throat> and, uh, she said <clears throat> the corporation that runs Buffalo Wings said that even though, well, they just said this, you have to wear a mask or you have to prove you got vaccinated. Now, here's the deal. mask. I just read you about how how sick masks are. They do absolutely nothing. They actually can make you sick. It does nothing to stop the virus. The, vac- the vaccine, so-called, the inoculation, the jab, <clears throat> is actually dangerous to your health, and I'll tell you the rest of the story on the back side of this break.
3: All my.
9: Have you ever heard of unobtainium? It's the magical energy mineral found on the planet Pandora in the movie Avatar. It's a fantasy in a science fiction script. But environmentalists think they found it here on Earth in the form of wind and solar power. They think all the energy we need can be supplied by building enough wind and solar farms and enough batteries. The simple truth is that we can't, nor should we want to, not if our goal is to be good stewards of the planet. To understand why, Consider some simple physics realities that aren't being talked about. All sources of energy have limits that can't be exceeded. The maximum rate at which the sun's photons can be converted to electrons is about 33%. Our best solar technology is at 26% efficiency. For wind, the maximum capture is 60%. Our best machines are at 45%. So we're pretty close to wind and solar limits. Despite PR claims about big gains coming, there just aren't any possible. And wind and solar only work when the wind blows and the sun shines, but we need energy all the time. The solution we're told is to use batteries. Again, physics and chemistry make this very hard to do. Consider the world's biggest battery factory, the one Tesla built in Nevada. It would take 500 years for that factory to make enough batteries to store just one day's worth of America's electricity needs. This helps explain why wind and solar currently still supply less than 3% of the world's energy, after 20 years and billions of dollars in subsidies. Putting aside the economics, if your motive is to protect the environment, you might want to rethink wind, solar and batteries because, like all machines, they're built from non-renewable materials. Consider some sobering numbers. A single electric car battery weighs about a half a ton. Fabricating one requires digging up, moving, and processing more than 250 tons of Earth somewhere on the planet. Building a single 100-megawatt wind farm can power 75,000 homes requires some 30,000 tons of iron ore and 50,000 tons of concrete, as well as 900 tons of non-recyclable plastics for the huge blades. To get the same power from solar, the amount of cement, steel, and glass needed is 150% greater. Then there's the other minerals needed, including elements known as rare earth metals. With current plans, the world will need an incredible 200 to 2,000% increase in mining for elements such as cobalt, lithium, and dysprosium, to name just a few. Where is all this stuff going to come from? Massive new mining operations, almost none of it in America some imported from places hostile to America, and some places we all want to protect. Australia's Institute for Sustainable Futures cautions that a global gold rush for energy materials will take miners into remote wilderness areas that have maintained high biodiversity because they haven't yet been disturbed. And who's doing the mining? Well, let's just say that they're not all going to be union workers with union protections. Amnesty International paints a disturbing picture. The marketing of -of state-of-the-art technologies are a stark contrast to the children carrying bags of rocks. And then the mining itself requires massive amounts of conventional energy, as do the energy-intensive industrial processes needed to refine the materials and then build the wind, solar, battery hardware. Then there's the waste. Wind turbines, solar panels, and batteries have a relatively short life, about 20 years. Conventional energy machines, like gas turbines, last twice as long. With current plans, the International Renewable Energy Agency calculates that by 2050, the disposal of worn-out solar panels will constitute over double the tonnage of all of today's global plastic waste. Worn-out wind turbines and batteries will add millions of tons more waste. It will be a whole new environmental challenge. Before we launch history's biggest increase in mining, dig up millions of acres in pristine areas encourage childhood labor, and create epic waste problems, we might want to reconsider our almost inexhaustible supply of hydrocarbons, the fuels that make our marvelous modern world possible. And technology is making it easier to acquire and cleaner to use them every day. The following comparisons are typical and instructive. It costs about the same to drill one oil well as it does to build one giant wind turbine. And while that turbine generates the energy equivalent of about one barrel of oil per hour, the oil rig produces 10 barrels per hour. It Costs less than 50 cents to store a barrel of oil or its equivalent in natural gas, but you need $200 worth of batteries to hold the energy contained in one oil barrel. Next time someone tells you that wind, solar, and batteries are the magical solution for all our energy needs, ask them if they have an idea of the cost to the environment. Unobtainium works fine in the movies, but we don't live in the movies. We live in the real world. I'm Mark Mills, Senior Fellow at the Manhattan Institute for Prager University.
4: Okay, this is our fifth segment. I was noticing. Uh, I've been noticing help wanted ad all ads all over the place. Restaurants, a lot of restaurants. It looks like they're trying to finally, uh, you know, like some of these places never have. Uh, I wondered, are they are they ever going to quit just being restricted to drive through? And uh, recently, I noticed that a drive through restaurant was saying, "Hey, we need some workers." So in this, uh, this sign, handwritten sign, it says, please be patient with my staff that showed up for work today. In other words, that's a loaded statement, right? She's suggesting or he's suggesting that not all the staff showed up. And my friend Santos, who helps do this show uh, on the radio, live radio, we call him Man. He talks about where he works that every day people just don't show up for work. The work ethic of this country is gone. So this person says, patience with my staff that showed up for work today. We're spacing out the seating so staff isn't overwhelmed and guests can get good service. Thank you. And the commentary about it is when you have a socialist regime in D.C. or in your state, this is the the kind of business you get. Many people have said it's obvious that they were so generous on their unemployment and welfare that it's, it's so much money that people don't want to go back to work. Why would you go back to work? I saw this. Uh, it was actually, I can't believe it, that CNN reported on this, that, I don't know whether you remember this, under Donald Trump, he unveiled a plan aimed at winning over black Americans, and uh, what he meant by that is, uh, remember, we said, What do you have to lose? You've been getting, you know, uh, trying me, because you've been getting ripped off by politicians for centuries. And uh, so this was two months before Election Day, and he wanted to expand upon the existing economic related initiatives. Uh, in other words, this was just before his second election. And he was building upon the economic-related initiatives of his first term, which nearly put all blacks back to work, along with Mexicans. Or as some people call them, Mexicans. So one of the proposals was including prosecuting the Ku Klux Klan, if if they're around anymore, and Antifa as terrorist organizations, making Juneteenth, a federal holiday. Do you remember what do you remember that just happened a week or so ago with Kamala Harris uh honoring Juneteenth as a f- federal holiday? Do you know that J- that Trump asked the Congress to vote on that and they turned him down. They turned that Juneteenth away. You see how politics works? They didn't give it, they didn't, the Democrats did not care a thing about the blacks or Juneteenth until it was a liberal in charge of the government, Biden and Kamala Harris. But under the Trump administration, who was doing too much for the blacks because the blacks were moving towards Trump in record numbers, never has anybody got them any black vote. But he wanted to address many of the black issues but when he tried remember it was called the platinum plan big ben carson supported it the democrat people in the legislature blocked it crazy huh this teacher in colorado high school teacher openly admitted he uses critical race theory in everything he teaches and will ignore any law that restricts his ability to indoctrinate students. Needs to be uh, this guy needs to be relieved of the position he's blatantly blatantly abusing. You know, teaching is like pastoring; it's a it's a position of trust. And so, when a teacher or a pastor I'd say pastor because teachers have the teachers union protecting them if a religious leader. Um, misbehaves with a parishioner uh, they get a pretty strong SWAT prison or whatever depending on the the case what happened and uh, teachers have that same kind of a trust that they're in behind closed locked doors for most of the day with the most precious possession adults have which is their children And they can absolutely indoctrinate the kids. So this Brian Lindstrom, the guy I'm talking about, he says, I'm going on record right now. At the end of the day, it's just my students and me in that classroom. And we will be discussing race, class, and gender in my history classes, regardless of what laws and policies people want to pass critical race theory underlined in bright red is a component of everything i do now that's the problem and you don't have as a as a parent you don't really have any clout or say or i mean you could have your kid moved out of that class if there's another class with the same age groups but you're not you're not even catching up on this unless your kid's really a transparent kid And is going to talk to you openly about what's going on here. And then he tweets again. Common ground doesn't mean meeting in the middle. The only common ground that exists is what exists in leftist beliefs. Because conservative common ground leaves out people who are poor. The queer. With disabilities, etc. But our common ground... Includes the liberation of them all, and then this teacher Brian Lindstrom said, and we do so ground up in other words, from this grassroots up, we take over school boards, city councils, county commissioners, etc. That's how they've totally ruined the school school system in just a few decades uh, it is really pitiful about what has gone on here but that's the kind of teachers you have now there's a couple things going on there's uh, a couple that's trying to put together a, a school I don't know whether they're going to do it if they can even find a do a place to do it in the local Ubisutter Sutter area but there's thousands of kids now that have nowhere to go and uh, John and Vicky Tade T-A-D-E like in David T-A-D-E are looking into a place. If you've got a building that you think would be interesting for a school, you should give them, give them a call, and give them a shout out about that. And maybe we put a lot of these kids into a really high high quality, cool school, a great school. And um, so to give you an opportunity to do that. All right. So the the troubling thing about electric cars to me is they're made out of fossil fuels and the battery alone is non-disposable you can't they're massive and maybe they're good for 150,000 miles or whatever and they got they got quite a bit of speed but the batteries what are you going to do with all those batteries it's it's a toxic mess but uh anyway that's what that's what people are trying to do Go green. All right, I'm just... Now, you know that there's been all these um, cities. Amazingly, I, I just can't even believe they're doing this. They, The police and safety, police and fire. Cities were organized and counties were organized around the concept of like pooling their money. And their support and volunteerism to create police and fire. And now we have these mayors going in and think, we're just going to declare love and peace to everybody. And we are going to take away the budget of the police as if they were the big problem. And all these rent hoodlums and vandalizers and murderers and rapists, they, uh, they really aren't bad people. And so probably when there's no police to harass them, then they'll do just fine and they'll just stare out and will behave themselves. Maybe meditate. Well, homicides, it says here, an article on just two days. Well, actually today. Homicides have skyrocketed in these six Democrat cities. Black people are disproportionately the victims, data shows. Now, this same people that wrote this article, uh, it's a long article. I can't go through all of it. But the fact is they've written before, and that's what I was reading to you, Heather McDonald. What's being said in the public is just not true. And like I said earlier, that that there's a greater chance for a black person getting hit by lightning than there would be from one cigarette. Or from one... Uh, sorry, lost my train of thought. They would be... A black person would have... is is going to have a higher chance of being struck by lightning and die than be killed by a cop. So what this says is... That uh, black people are dispo- disproportionately the victims in the, when they shut down the police. And the reason is that the police, whatever flavor of police they are, black, white, Uh, Asian, whatever they are, are the very people that save the lives and protect the lives of the black community. In other words, they serve the black community as well as every other community. When you eliminate all police officers from communities, they get devoured by criminals. So it says the number of homicides in the six major cities across the country, they're all run by Democrat mayors. The number of homicides has increased compared to last year, disproportionately affecting black people in the crime data. In other words, more blacks have suffered compared to their percentage of the population. We are seeing an uptick in violent crime across the country, particularly gun violence, according to Miami-Dade County Mayor Daniela Levine Cava. In Chicago, black people have been the victims of roughly 81% of the 318 murders in the first six months of 2021. Is that amazing? What are blacks about 12% of the population and 81% of the 371, 17 murders have been blacks? But it's not talking about blacks being killed by cops. It's just people being blacks getting murdered. What they're arguing here is, when you remove the police, you're going to get more murders and more crimes. They were victims of about seventy uh, percent. they were the victims of, of about seventy percent of two hundred ninety-five murders committed in the first six, six months of two thousand twenty. Same, same disproportionate damage. <clears throat> this one guy says, "I'm proud to be a city." Uh, Lead a city council that took the first step to responsibly reduce Baltimore's budget dependence on policing. Isn't that amazing statements? Budget dependence on policing? Said former Baltimore City Council President Brandon Scott, who is now the city's mayor. Huh. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Percentage of murder victims in Chicago that were black increased from 70% in 2020 to 81% of all murder victims, 8 out of 10. If a person gets murdered in Chicago, 8 out of 10 will be blacks, not killed by the police, not killed by white people. Unbelievable. The figure increased from 60 to 90 percent year over year from 2020 to 2021 in Milwaukee. The data showed, in one one of the cities analyzed, the percentage of black victims decreased, but the raw number of black victims still increased. Democrat leaders of most of the cities examined voted to re- greatly reduce police funding amid wide spread BLM protests last year in the wake of the death of George Floyd. I just saw a statue, amazing. Abraham lincoln's statue got taken down, but they built one for George Floyd, a drug dealer. Unbelievable. He died after says here, he died after former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin kneeled on his neck in 2020. Thousands a protests and riots took place across the country. One car was flipped, da-da-da-da. Anyway, just talking about, hey, eh, so we said, we don't need these police anymore. It's just causing us a big old problem, right? Well, it gives a breakdown for Chicago, Illinois, Baltimore, Maryland. You could have guessed some of these. They They almost quote their Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Los Angeles, California. Indianapolis, Indiana. All of these places are just Democrat disasters. All right, let me let me just jump around here and see my uh printer was goofed up. Okay. All right, so this whole thing about, uh, let me go back to vaccine passports. We, there's been talk among the local city councils and supervisors about passports. Some a lot, some little or none. But it's going to be a topic because anytime, you know, one of the reasons that the founding fathers said they wanted government to be really small is they they did not want, big business or business to try if, if you're really being highly regulated by business, then instead of running away or hiding from the regulators, big businesses embrace the regulators and actually lobby them and get them on their side. So the bigger and more tentacles that the government has into the business, business community in order to survive, in order to profit, in order to do what you want to do, you have to lobby and pay off the politicians. You ready? You, you Follow me? So Big Pharma now, besides the Teachers Association of America, Teachers Union, Big Pharma literally is running our government. And wouldn't you like to sell something to every single human being in the United States of America? Or every single human being on the planet. That's a lot of money. Even if you're making just a buck a deal. But they're making lots, lots more than that. So this entire effort is called the global reset. And the global reset is to take control of your life. And even eliminate your job. And eliminate you and and help a lot of people die just from reaction to a really bad inoculation and then they'll turn around and say well now we have to do this other type of inoculation to take care of that the one that your buddy died on because that's a variant they call them variants right a different a different type of uh virus supposedly Instead of the vaccine, instead of the inoculation, instead of the jab being dangerous to your health and monkeying around with your DNA. So there's a lot of doctors. There are a lot of professionals that are quietly not taking the vaccine. There's a video that was a little boring, but three of the top people from, I think, the CDC, the WHO... And one other group, and one of the senators or congressmen was asking what percentage of your employees have taken the vaccine and and none of them said "Is barely over fifty percent and they really didn't have any doc- you know documents or figures right in front of them, so the United States is trying to go for a hundred percent saturation now you remember we started off this whole fiasco over a year ago with two weeks for, to establish herd immunity. Right? Two weeks. And here we are in the second year, and now they're, they're saying we're not going to have herd immunity until everybody's vaccinated. We'll be right back.
7: Now let me welcome everybody to the wild, wild west A state that's untouchable like Elliot Ness The track Its your eardrum like a slug to your chest Like a best for your Jimmy in the city of sex We in that sunshine state for the barman's hemp beat The state where you never find a dance floor empty And pimps be on a mission for them greens Lean, mean, money-making machines, serving fiends I've been in the game for 10
10: years The black, black Lives Matter movement's agenda promises, Is killing black people Because what is the Black Lives Matter movement's agenda in practicality? Well, defunding the police. That's what we're just talking about, defunding the police. When police are defunded, even if it's just partially, as this woman claims, there are fewer arrests. There are fewer stops made. There's less policing that happens. So Daniel Horowitz at The Blaze did an incredible breakdown of the statistics that show the direct correlation between defunding police and an increase in Black homicide victims in our country. This is the basis for my claim that the Black Lives Matter movement agenda leads to the death of Black people. So we're going to read through this. Horowitz says, a Black individual is more likely to be struck by lightning than killed by a policeman. Now, this is important because, and this this is my commentary on, on Horowitz's writing. This is important, of course, because the Black Lives Matter movement narrative uh, essentially pretends that Black people are indiscriminately killed by police on a daily basis just for the crime of being black, driving while being black, walking while being black. You might be shot by the police. However, this is Horowitz. According to the Bureau of Justice Statistics, in 2018, there were 6.5 million police interactions with black people. That's one in 300,000 to one in 500,000. That's the chance of being killed by a cop if you're a black person. That is similar to your chance of being struck by lightning. He also points out, and this is a good point to point out, quote, if you don't run from or fight with the police, their chance of death is essentially zero. He goes on to say, according to the CDC, the black homicide rate was 12.9 times higher than the white homicide rate from 2010 to 2015. And homicide was the leading cause of death for black people under the age of 35. Horowitz then says, crime expert Sean Kennedy of the Maryland Public Policy Institute estimates there were at least 4,000 excess homicides last year last year meaning 2020. Kennedy goes on to say, preliminary statistics show murders rose by 35% across 60 of the nation's largest cities. Nationwide FBI data through September show a 21% jump in homicide and an 8.3% increase in aggravated assaults, including those by gun. Aggravated assaults and shootings climbed by roughly 10% over the summer and fall of 2020. So 55% of homicide victims whose race was known were black. This is according to the FBI. Horowitz says that means that the Black Lives Matter agenda caused at least 2,200 excess homicides last year, 116 times more than the number of unarmed black people shot by police. How astounding is that? Just in case you believe people like Obama official Brittany Cunningham blaming police for the increase in crime. No, no. That is not true. Horowitz goes on to say, according to a new research report from the Law Enforcement Legal Defense Fund, police stops and arrests indeed declined on average 48% in 10 major cities from June 2020 to February 2021, relative to the previous nine-month period from 2019 to 2020. The results, murders rose 56% in those cities. For example, in Minneapolis, arrests were down 42% while murders rose 64%. Full stop. So, what this means is the Black Lives Matter agenda, the false narrative, the policy platform to defund the police results in fewer police stops, fewer arrests, that increases, that leads to violent crime and enorm- homicides going skyrocketing, which leads to an enormous excess in deaths via homicide for the Black community, Black victims, Black lives. The Black Lives Matter movement is literally leading to the death of Black Americans. Is that the fault of the police? Obviously not. Don't believe the Marxist trope for a second.
4: So there's an article that I wanted to highlight here saying that Biden, see, if you're thinking that Biden is one of the most powerful guys in the world, not really. He's being controlled by global, the global cabal, the global reset community. And they're counting on Biden to get the numbers of people that have been injected At least 70% or above. And 70% is not very good at all. So the suggestion in this article is that Biden will be removed from office. And removed from his power position after failing to get 70% of the population vaccinated. And we're talking about vaccinating kids. They have no need of an injection so by July 4th, if, if uh, pay attention, if Biden hasn't got 70 percent of the country vaccinated, the global globalists may accelerate their plans for economic and cyber takedown of the USA. And just forget Joe, because he's he's such a you know, he's got a health problem. I don't agree with his politics, but he's got a health problem big time. So, uh, but there's all kinds of problems with these, with these uh, drugs. And um, there's been lots of injection deaths. Really sad. I mean, people died right after they took it. Anyway, what what they're saying in this article... Uh, Is they're going to do everything they can in this country to take take your guns away and replace your guns with injections, vaccine injections, where they can control you and they can monitor your every move. That's what the nanoparticles are all about uh, in their in their uh, their lives to get a social credit score, everything. So that's uh, the situation with Biden, and who takes over? Who knows? Probably both the president and vice president would step down, very possible, unless they think somehow Kamala Harris is going to be able to do it. I'm I'm sort of uh, shocked at that, but uh, w- we'll see what happens. I'm just scrolling through some of my materials because I wanted to talk about them. Here I got time here today. So one of the one of the mandates things that we did that was a tire lie from uh, Dr. Liu was the importance of uh, not spreading the virus, and that was to establish social distancing uh, rules. And and if you go into any store today as you approach the counter counter, uh you, you will know the checkout counter, you will notice places on the floor where you're to stand. And you'll notice that they still have some sign vac uh sign uh, advertisements up. So I call this socialist distancing. So again Lee Dundas who spoke about a week ago, so ago with a group of people, patriots at the church, Glad Tidings in Yuba City. She explained that night, you, you wonder where did all these ideas come from? Why didn't we use them before? And uh, it's not based in any science at all. It's just somebody decided to wear those type of, uh, you know, do, go go about it this type of way. There's no science at all. They just made up stuff, made up the PCR tests, made up the social distancing, made up the, you know, voluntarily lock yourself down. So in a a video that Lee Dundas, the human rights lawyer, says uh, social distancing is actually a technique that might be causing more harm to our children than that which it seeks to avoid. So social distancing is a euphemism for social isolation. It was a technique that was developed about 70 years ago by the CIA and they found it was really really good at breaking down enemies of the state. So she goes on in this uh clip so what are we doing to our children? Why are they enemies of the state? Because we are all enemies of the state. If you aren't a politician, You are the enemy, and they want to enslave us under the new world order, and the government is part of the plan to manufacture compliance. Now, people, you wonder about how the people of Germany stood by and let Nazis just go to the death camps. And there's lots of reasons for that. Many reasons, probably people felt overwhelmed. People thought they weren't quite sure what's really happening. They're just rumors, da 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 so this is a plan to manufacture compliance. It's not a conspiracy theory. They are coming out and saying it very plainly now and on various sites, including this one, have proven this time and time again. Your inability to understand what's coming and on and – and uh, hold on here. We've got a little block in front of it. Uh, your inability to understand what's going on or break your own mental change does not make it unreal. Lee Dundas says that social distancing destroys the part of the brain that is responsible for learning in our children and ourselves, which is known as a vertical striata in 1951. The CIA held a secret meeting at the Rich Carlton in Canada, and it was a meeting where, with doctors present who has ties to and ask, and I quote, the U.S., U.K., and California mi- military forces. The CIA, in dark letters here, the quote, the CIA realized that at the meeting and at others that social distancing and socialization techniques were, were, quote, the ideal way of breaking down a prisoner. Now, these are uh, techniques, whether it's sleeplessness or noise or music or something, that will wear down a prisoner. And if you'll remember, uh, John Cain, the senator, longtime senator from Arizona, was held at the Hano, what they call the Hanoi Hilton. Uh, and so he said that being in socialized Social isolation was the worst thing he could ever dream of, a lot worse than being beat up or whatever. And uh, so Lee says the the California Department of Education has no business deploying CIA protocols on our kids, still used to this day to break down enemies because they're often more effective than physical torture against kindergartners, kindergartners in the classroom. I was trying to look for something to give you an idea of, of what. Uh, I want to look at one more spot here. Because she tells how much the impact is. Hold on here. This is what they found, medically speaking, and most recent studies have shown in the is the equivalent of smoking like wearing a mask all the day is the equivalent of smoking fifteen cigarettes a day and being an alcoholic so put simply, we'd be better off lobotomizing our children, handing them a pack of cigarettes, a fifth of whiskey, and then sending them into home room than we than what we would be doing. By social distancing them this fall. Now there's all kinds of rules been dealt out to the public education system that are completely nonsensical. Wearing a mask, not playing with the mask, showing up in certain you know, they just they're putting all kinds of requirements. Uh, so why? I mean, why are they troubling our children? She said, Lee says, we'd be better off lobotomizing our children, ha- handing them a pack of cigarettes, a fits of whiskey, and then sending them into homeroom. Then we will be taken. Then will we be, be then by social distancing them this fall. So Lee says, I want to go back now in the beginning of when the social distancing was developed by the CIA. In 1951, the CIA held a secret meeting. I mentioned that. And the the Western countries were there, Canada, UK, US. The work in that meeting and subsequent meetings led the CIA to realize that social distancing and socialization techniques were the ideal way of breaking down a prisoner." And were as effective as destroying the brain function of the prisoner as if the prisoner were beaten, starved, and deprived of sleep, so here she mentioned John McCain spent over five years as a prisoner of war in Vietnam, and had all of his arm and leg bones broken many times, and who was also by turn exposed to multiple rounds of social distancing from his fellow prisoners of war. Uh, he had this to say about social distancing and physical torture. On physical, social distancing, he said, it's an awful thing. It crushes your spirit more effectively than any other form of mistreatment. 150 other naval aviators who were also held as POWs in Vietnam came home from the war and echoed what John McCain said. They said, it was as torturous and agonizes as any physical abuse they suffered to be separated from their fe- fellow uh, GIs. Everything that's been done has been fraudulent. Now, it's in- interesting how government interprets it Interpret things differently depending on who's in charge. For instance, the UN Mandela Rules, like Nelson Mandela was held for 25 years, I believe, on trumped-up charges, and uh, the UN. So the UN took uh, offense to that and replanted, uh, kind of redid the Mandela situation. So they they made some rules, and they made the Mandela rules to somehow get countries to buy into that and all behave well, whether it's in times of war or times of peace. Be courteous. The U.N. Mandela rules actually now prohibit the use of more than two weeks or 15 days of social distancing and isolation, classifying it as cruel and inhumane treatment and basically a war crime. I want you to think about that. I've been saying that all along. I'm not saying I'm a prophet or anything. It just seemed to me that a lot of people are going to die because of these vaccines. And uh, these guys are pressuring people to do all this. Social distance, etc. It's just all bogus. Nobody took it seriously. It was all bogus all the way along. talking here about in England creating the six foot uh, separation is casting even more doubt on the lack of science underlying the six foot rule is a recent study in which researchers found that the preventive social distancing can reach the epidemic size of the population level and thus have negative effects for the community at large. You heard it right. He says preventive Social distancing can make the epidemic worse and increase the size of the population. To me, it's pretty amazing. All right, let's see where we are here. Okay, let me... um, What's been a real heartbreaker... Is to watch people that I know just go out and get that, get the uh, their gift or their spiff or whatever, and then all come back all smiles like I got my first shot, I got my second shot, and they just don't have a clue. Unfortunately, all over the world, Bill Gates and his Groups that he's affiliated with and funds and he sits on the board of are inoculating hundreds of thousands of kids and young adults every single day. And they're with faulty inoculations and they're actually making people sick. So that's what's going on with. um, So the best thing you can do, I I had a late, as I mentioned earlier, I had a lady call me. And asked me for help. Now, there's a website that I'm using, and I'm going to do some research tomorrow, Friday, uh, my Friday, before this actually comes out. And she said, Lou, I need some help opposing this big corporation who's telling me I got to inject something into my body. Now, this is so shocking to me that back in the day, our parents were telling you, don't ever put anything Don't do drugs. Don't do this. Don't do that. All because you don't know what you're putting in your body, right? How many people have actually known what they're putting in their body? I have taken injections and yellow fever, all kinds of stuff, injections going overseas and didn't even ask them what what I was putting in my body, for goodness sakes. And now people are just blindly and posting their picture on Facebook. To show that they it's like they accomplished, like they graduated and got a master's degree. And all they got is somebody injected them with a nanoparticle. So this tomorrow I'm going to be working on on the website of Peggy Hall, which is thehealthyamerican.org. dot Thehealthyamerican.org. And on that, there's just video after video after video on why you don't have to do these things. And it's a violation of a person's uh, employee rights to force them to do this. And particularly when it's an experimental inoculation, you can do the same. So if you're facing having to wear masks at work or you're facing having to get a vaccination, now you're you're employers liable to just go ahead and can you. What I'm saying to you is if you get the right judge, you may be able to prevail and and stay in the job or move on and collect a lot of money. Over the past week or so, there's been a lot of publicity about a Methodist hospital in Houston where over a 100 of their employees just refused along with many others, refused to take the vaccine. And then when they went to court fighting over it, the judge ruled because he's bought, he's he's taken the red pill. He believes that it's going to save everybody's lives and it's total nonsense. So instead of ruling on the merit of whether a person can be forced to do something while they work for you, he just went on the basis of what's healthy. And didn't know what he, what he just wrote off the rails on the thing. So, uh, don't take the vaccine. I have people from all over the world where I've worked, Vietnam specifically, contact me and said, you know, are you, uh, are you going to take the vaccine? I said, no, and please don't take the vaccine yourself. Don't take the shot. Yeah, they, yeah, they're going to segregate us possibly. We'll have to fight over that. They're creating different classes of people, cooperative people and uncooperative people. And then they're going to train you that you're the right person, the right type of person. And you're going to get a better credit, social credit score. All right, enough for this week. We'll see you next week, God willing. And uh, thank you for listening.
9: We're so glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight. We'd especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. We certainly hope you all enjoy the show. And remember, people...